Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 70 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yash Pika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we have that special, special Q&A episode that we promised in last week's episode. So please check out last week um, just to hear that conversation, how we got the Premier League or the Premier Pod started, not the Premier League. Um, <laughs> but if we want to go ahead and jump into the q and I know Tyler and I both had some technical difficulties trying to start this podcast today. But we're ready to get jump. We're ready to jump straight into it. So Tyler, if you want to start off with the first question, yes, and I'd like to thank all the listeners and all of our friends for submitting a yes. good amount of questions. And we're gonna to try to go through all of them during this Q and A episode. So here we go. We're gonna start off with the first question. I think it's a very appropriate question because it's very foundational to how this whole podcast started and how we actually met. So listener Ashley has asked, "How did y'all get into soccer, and what made us very passionate about the sport?" to the point where like we love it to make a whole podcast about it and like wake up at 7 30 a.m just to watch a game versus crystal palace <laughs> little <laughs> things like that so yes would you like to start us off with that question how did you yes. get into soccer yeah so i um obviously i f- got into sports first but i got into american sports first so like nba and nfl specifically college football and nfl i was a big fan of that um growing up throughout childhood i'm still a huge fan of both of those, you know, both those leagues and the NBA as well. But I didn't really, my first glimpse of soccer was the 2006, right? World Cup. Um, it was the France-Italy final. I watched a little bit of it, but I, I can't remember like too much of it. And then I kind of, I obviously I didn't watch soccer for that, for that whole time. And then I got back into it a little bit during the 2012 Euros. Um, I just started following England. Um, as the national team to follow there and obviously that was pretty famous because that was when Balotelli like celebrated by taking his shirt off and doing like that infamous <laughs> meme celebration and I remember Spain's journey and how they won the world uh, won the Euro that year um, and I started playing FIFA that was around the time I played my first more my second FIFA my first FIFA was FIFA 04 um, but my second FIFA was FIFA 11 and a friend actually gifted that to me and during that time I started getting more into like career mode and playing that I started watching some FIFA YouTubers, so shout out to MGH. He's a career mode FIFA guy, but um, I didn't I didn't stay following soccer. And then the 2014 World Cup came along, and once that came along, I think that's when I started to really get into it. And then that was like, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and pick a team and start following it. And I followed England with uh, Wayne Rooney, and basically. England and Wayne Rooney. I just stuck with, you know, Wayne Rooney, the Wayne Rooney train, um, followed Manchester United. And that's kind of how I became a fan of soccer like that. And then obviously FIFA helped a lot staying passionate because I started to learn about, oh, this player plays this position, this guy, this is his favorite position. This is his like favorite foot. It kind of helps you get started. I would say FIFA does help you get started. And then like, as you watch more, you just start to develop your own traits and your own taste of what this player can actually do and not just off their FIFA stats. That's a very long yes. journey, basically. But yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because it's very similar to me, like in a way. So for me, uh, my dad always liked playing soccer when he was growing up. And I never really got into it until I was 10 years old when the, my mom and my dad signed me up for a rec soccer league, like locally. And then I just played right back, basically. I was just like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's fun. <laughs> it's a good exercise. And during that time was around the 2010 World Cup. I did watch part of the 2006 one when I was around seven years old, something around there, maybe six. I didn't really care too much about it at the time because I didn't really know anything. But once I started playing it and then started watching the World Cup, I was like, holy cow, some of these goals are insane. Like Suleiman Tari's goal against Uruguay in the 2010 World Cup, that was like one of those key ones. And then just seeing certain players like Fernando Torres and Steven Gerrard go off, that's why I started really getting into certain players like Liverpool players. And then I bought FIFA 11. <laughs> and then I just played that nonstop, played FIFA 12 nonstop. And I've been doing that every year, basically. Now we're in FIFA 20. So just little things from playing video games and playing the sport as a kid. And in FIFA itself, since I wasn't very good, <laughs> I was able to do things in the game that I wouldn't be able to do in real life. Say like a rainbow, like volley shot or just mm-hmm. a scissor kick, little things like that. Or just ripping a long shot from 40 or 35 yards out because the game was broken back then. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I really got into soccer and then just 
going from FIFA to the Premier League, I think that's what also went hand in hand where I would watch like Liverpool play and then I'd use those players in FIFA and then it's just like hand in hand there. So I was like, and then I'd try to recreate certain goals in FIFA that I see in real life and then also try to recreate it on the soccer field in real life. So that's how I really got into it from there. That's good. Yeah. And then um, I guess that kind of like answered the second part of it is like what made it passionate for us. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of answers it. Like, I think FIFA helps a lot. I think a lot of people that now get into soccer, they start off with FIFA. They're like, oh, I just played, picked up FIFA and I started playing with my roommates. And then like, all of a sudden, <laughs> I was like, I really like this team, like Real Madrid. I keep picking them. And then like, you should start following. Because I remember back then, I didn't have um, the NBC Sports Channel. So what I would do is I would just like go online on Reddit and find the Manchester United games on there. So just finding the little games um, like that definitely helped. But jumping into our next question submitted by Nitten, a longtime listener of the podcast. um, His first question is, which Premier League team do we support and why? Um, If you couldn't tell by Tyler's shirt there, I guess I'll (laughs) let him start right now. (laughs) Dude, there we go. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even tell. there you go um but yeah tyler why'd you start supporting them so if you are listening to the podcast on the audio <laughs> yeah. on spotify or apple i'm wearing a liverpool jersey right now and i've been a liverpool fan since 2010 basically right after the world cup 2010 because i watched players like steven gerrard and fernando torres those two in particular and their count play and i saw Fernando Torres basically just tearing it up and helping Spain win a World Cup. And then I saw Steven Gerrard lead a team like England and of like he was like the leader of everyone basically. And like all the English players were just so at that point it was a lot of superstars on that team. We had like Wayne Rooney, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, like literally everyone, like Paul Scholes, like everyone. Ashley Cole. <laughs> like literally all of them. And then the leaders was Steven Gerrard. So I saw that and I saw his ability to just get crazy long shot goals and just do long passes where you can be on one side of the field and put it somewhere else on the field on like a dime. And it, it, it was like very video game-esque the way Steven Gerrard played and, and the abilities he had. So that kind of resonated me a lot. And also I watched snippets and replays of the 2005 Champions League final against AC Milan. And the fact that they never gave up and came back from 3-0 down just to win in penalties. From going 3-0 down to 3-3 draw, had some crazy saves of Josie Duduk, and then winning it in PKs against an arguably one of the best teams of all time, the AC Milan team of 2005. That inspired me a lot, and I was like, all right, this team is something special, especially with that you never walk alone anthem and all those players just with so much belief. And it did take a while for them to finally win a major trophy (laughs) since 2010, (laughs) but it was all worth it. And I'm glad that I, I managed to find Liverpool in those weird times because they weren't one of the top teams back then either yeah. at least during that time no that's definitely that's definitely a cool story for me I like I said before I start off with the 2014 World Cup but I've always been fascinated by England I think whenever there's a national like a national tournament going on I kind of naturally gravitate towards England um, due to the fact that it's in obviously it's Premier League is there but a lot of my favorite players do play in England but Wayne Rooney, um, even back in FIFA 04, has always been a guy that they always captivated me for some reason. And the more I kind of watched, like, you know, more highlights when I first started getting into soccer, I really liked the way he played because he was kind of unorthodox. Like he wasn't like a um, he wasn't a guy you could just put in one position. Like he could kind of do it all in terms of the attacking attacking front. Like back in his early days at Manchester United, he would even play out in the wings. But I really enjoyed how physically tough he was. He was very physical. He was not afraid to like, you know, get stuck in, as they would say, not afraid to put in a tackle. Obviously, he was a bit of a hothead and got some red cards, but he did score some beautiful goals. And I feel like certain at times, I don't feel like Wayne Rooney is given probably enough respect. I, I know he was very overhyped and like, you know, he was hyped up a lot to be like sort of England savior, along with like the Lampard, Gerard sort of sort of generation and it didn't really turn out well but i think in the club level i think wayne rooney has done a lot and because of him um i followed i followed where he played for and that was obviously manchester united and you know in the beginning part it was a little tough to like you know i had to stay committed in terms like all right i gotta keep watching manchester united games and then the more they kind of played like i watched them the first season of louis ben hall 
And they were struggling, obviously, and the football wasn't that good, but I kept watching them. And, you know, I just kept hearing more about, you know, the team spirit they had, like back in the day with Starlex Ferguson. I watched YouTube videos of like back in the day, Champions League matches, the 2008 Champions League final, the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, you know, late minute wins it for United in the treble winning season. So stuff like that, like those moments made me really um, support them. And I just really admired the fact that, um, for the longest time, they had one guy kind of manage the club and they kind of did it their way in terms of like promoting the youth and everything. So that's kind of where I got started with my with Manchester United. And I'm glad I picked them because I couldn't imagine supporting another Premier League team at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're not a, a Norwich fan. <laughs> yeah, oh <gosh. laughs> up and down in the past few years. There's like, oh or man, Sunderland. I guess I'm going to. Yeah, Sunderland's probably the worst. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Enjoy watching League One <laughs> championship. Oh gosh. <laughs> But that kind of leads into Nitten's second question. What's the best Premier League game we've seen on television? That one's a tough one. Yes. Uh, For me, I actually do have one. It's not a very orthodox, interesting game, I would say. But it was the match where the final match of the season when Liverpool had to beat Middlesbrough to get into Champions League for the first time after a few years out of the competition. And it was a must-win game because there is, I believe, Arsenal right on their backs. And if they manage to get the win, then they're guaranteed Champions League football. And it was a very stressful game because during that season and seasons before, Liverpool has bottled <laughs> big, big games like this. So against a Middlesbrough side who is struggling in near relegation or not in relegation, and Brad Guzon in goal, I remember that game. Uh, Liverpool had to win, and then Genie Wijnaldum came through, and then we won. Wow. It was it was basically a, like a very like stout win it was like 3-0 if i remember correctly but it was just a more more relief and also the beginnings of just like the Klopp era really starting to take off and be like all right there's some promise here <laughs> we're about to win something big boys and get into <laughs> some big things so that was the start of also liverpool kind of changing and to be like all right now we're back in the champions league regularly so that was a big game for me Okay, I best can, game I, I saw live. I can respect that. That's like, uh, like you said, that is very unorthodox. I would not expect that. Um, but if I had to pick, this is a tough one. If I had to pick, man. Oh, I would say this. I think it was. It would probably be the Manchester United comeback against Manchester City in the Etihad. I think it was like now. It's been what two or three seasons ago. Um, <laughs> it was when if City beat United, um, it was Jose Mourinho's second season at United, and if they beat United. At, at the Etihad, they would have won the title that day. And they were 2-0 up at halftime. And it basically, it was like, you know, City basically just straight up dominated United that whole first half. And then for, I don't know how, Manchester United came out. And this, that's with Alexis Sanchez, Paul Pogba. He scores a brace. And then Smalling gets the winner out of all people. I, I think that was probably one of my favorite games because I was just screaming in my dorm room, like going absolutely bananas <laughs> when they like made that comeback. Because... City that season were just so incredible. So the fact that United made that comeback against them, I think it was it was nice that we spoiled their party just a little bit. Over like they <laughs> obviously ended up winning the league, but it was nice to spoil the party on that day. There we go. It's always good to spoil the same town rivals. I would say, especially mm-hmm. Manchester City, <laughs> one of those now big clubs. But also believe Nin had a final question. Yeah, he he's a lot of submissions. Yes, what was the what was the last one? Yeah, so the final question he had is like, for I guess it, it splits up uh, between both of us. So if you could have any past Manchester United or Liverpool player play for this current team, who would it be? So obviously uh, Manchester United for me and Liverpool for Tyler. Um, for me, if I had to pick a past United player, I would probably say, uh, man, this seems kind of, ooh, I guess this seems like kind of an easy one, but I would put Cristiano Ronaldo because for the Ooh. longest time, for the longest time, United have been missing someone to play on the wings. They haven't had a true like out and out winger. Like they obviously have Rashford and Martial, but those guys are like, I guess, auxiliary wide players. They're like players that play wide, but they kind of like to play as a striker, like cut in all the time. I think a guy like Ronaldo back in the United playing days was a straight up winger. Like he... He had the pace. He had the chicory. He could go from either foot. I think that would be a player I would want because he would just add something that United have been lacking pretty much since he's left the club. <laughs> Dang, Ronaldo. I would have thought Beckham. <laughs> yeah. Beckham's also a nice I, one. 
Beckham would be nice. There's a lot of good players for United you could pick. Yeah. For me, I would say Steven Gerrard because right now we're on the brink of winning the Premier League. And it'd be so nice for him to finally win that trophy with Liverpool. And having him on the team for this season, that kind of be like icing on the cake for him for his basically like very successful career. It's just that one trophy he was missing. And also just having Steven Gerrard, like I would say 05 Gerrard is, <laughs> would be the best. <laughs> Because for the ganging press for Klopp as well, he'd basically work his socks off. And having him and his abilities with the long shot, which is something I feel like Liverpool currently doesn't have. Like that ability to just rip a shot from 35 yards out. No one on the team really does that. You know, you do have like Oxley chamberlain and Henderson whipping shots in from like the top of the box. You don't see one from farther out than that. So Steven Gerrard would add an extra bit of surprise. And also just... For the counterattacks and the speed of Salah and Mane, I think he'd be able to utilize his long passing and just get counterattacks going even faster with Steven Jodd on the team. So that's who I would have. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a good pick. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Nitin, for all the submissions. A lot of questions right there. We went pretty in-depth on those. But now we'll move on to the next question. So this one's submitted from a good friend of mine, uh, Ani. Hopefully she'll start listening to the podcast now because this <laughs> is a question that she submitted. <laughs> this is a good way. To get some friends listening. So anyways, so she asked, what position did you play when you first started playing soccer and why? And what positions did you change over the years if you did change? And what has been the favorite position you've been playing since you started? And since I've been playing since I was 10, I'm now 23. I'm pretty old. <laughs> Dude, so uh, what's your potential <laughs> in FIFA? <laughs> no longer an exciting prospect. Yeah, I'm no longer an exciting prospect. I'm just like leveled out. <laughs> But as I mentioned in one of the previous questions, I started playing for rec soccer in when I was 10 and I played right back and I switched from karate straight into soccer, which is the perfect transition, I guess. And I was thinking, I guess that's why they put me there so I can shut down and I guess destroy whoever's left wing. But I played right back for, I would say, the entirety of like elementary to late middle to mid middle school. And then from there, I switched to striker, which is the Whoa. natural switch, right? <laughs> Eric Bale right there. Eric Bale, basically, <laughs> as a little wee boy, because I was like a small, fast kid. So I was able to run past everyone. And I kind of still am that now, but <laughs> even more so back then. And I I did pretty well at striker. I would say that was probably the best performance. I peaked in soccer in middle school. <laughs> and when I played uh, rec soccer first and played striker, I scored one hat trick. I like to give, I like to shout out to wow. uh, my past self there. Good job. <laughs> the, fame, the fame got to him. The fame, the fame got, got to me. But I never played for the high school team in when I got to high school. I switched to right back, actually, back in high school because, you know, I thought I was like, well, since I never played select or anything like that, I should probably play for a position that was more needed on. The high school team, at least. And even then, not even enough to get in. But I still played rec when I was in high school. And I played striker and left wing or right wing based on whatever the team needed. And then also played center mid near my senior year. Because during my senior year, it was the most needed position. So I usually just played whatever was most needed. And then once I got to college at UGA, I played goalie. <laughs> which is interesting because I played indoor a lot and indoor goals are a lot smaller. So I was like, Hey, I can fit this. <laughs> so I played indoor goalie and then I also played a uh, left mid to left wing. So for, I guess what would we call intramural soccer in college, you can only play 77. So we had really weird formations where we can only have like two defenders, things like that. So I played on the left side basically. And if we're attacking, I was left wing, but if we we're defending, I was left back. So that was a lot of running. And it basically, it's just been changing all throughout my entire life based on like just needs. Nice. But my favorite position throughout all this, of course, is, is striker because that's the least running. You get some of the, the most glory. And also, yeah. if you miss, it's like, oh, I just miss. It's like, you just get another chance. And then if you don't get that many chances. It's like, oh, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and then also watching certain players like Jamie Vardy play, just the high press, like incentivize me to get the ball higher up in the field and try to score from there. So just scoring from there and just like the ability to just get into the positions to you know do scissor kicks and crazy volleys you get most of those crazy opportunities playing at strikers so that's why i like that position the most it's good it's like what about we, you yes 
As we always <laughs> say in the podcast, um, the guy that's the most versatile, usually the one ends up sucking the most because he can't yeah. do anything good. Not very good at anything. <laughs> like Mustafi. You can do you can do a little bit of everything, but not very good in one thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's but, how I know Mustafi. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> oh man. Um, but for me, I didn't actually play any type of, I guess, organized team soccer on an official club level or IM level. I grew up playing like backyard basketball and football. Um, and those were kind of my major sports. So when I jumped into soccer, I actually started playing soccer because of this um, read soccer thing that we have back when Tyler was in college and like most of my other friends were. But um, and it was when we played in like, I guess, like a read soccer type thing, it would be like a really small, like condensed, like really condensed. Like I wouldn't even say like how many yards was that? Maybe 30, 40. Yeah. So it's not a lot of running, but it was a lot of mayhem because it'd be a lot of people. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun because for me as a beginner, obviously, I lacked a lot of like sort of the uh, the natural skill set you kind of develop if you played soccer as a young, you know, as a young child growing up as, you know, growing growing up because um, I kind of have some of those those like natural tendencies with basketball or football. I just kind of know how to do certain things because I played it a lot when I was little. So that was a good way for me to learn, like in terms of like accurately kicking a soccer ball or actually making good contact with it or like where to run and all that. I think watching it is a different thing than playing it. Definitely playing it is a different story. But um, in terms of position, I just, you know, uh, it's just kind of like wherever I get picked, whichever team I get picked on, they'll just kind of throw me on other, any position. And I'm like, I'm not good enough to actually dictate where I play. So I'll just play wherever someone tells me to play. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite though throughout all that? Ugh, favorite. I do have to say in that mayhem fest, like playing as a de- defender, like it was very relaxing because you didn't have to do <laughs> any run- running at all. You just have to like just keep your position. But I would have to say playing in the playing in the wing was really fun because you just get to do like something crazy and it might work. Like if you just start running and just cross it in like they do in like FIFA, just cross it in. Something might happen. That's usually what happens. Just something might happen. <laughs> exactly it's like just whip it in and then maybe <laughs> something will happen that's literally our motto at read soccer but to quickly also i think this would be a good also like segue to bring in but i also had a following question of what was your favorite position if you were to play pro clubs she didn't know what pro clubs was but i'm she's assuming there was something that you can play individually in soccer and fifa at least so if you had a pro clubs player what was your favorite position to play in pro clubs and then also what's your favorite position to watch in the professional level, like the Premier League. So for me, for pro clubs at least, my favorite position in, in pro clubs was goalie. I don't know why, but I just like playing in goal whenever we did just play of just controlling one player and just trying to anticipate what the player coming at you is going to do, whether it be finesse shot, like ground shot, dr- like low driven, or just like <laughs> a rip to the upper 90, like trying to guess that and also just stopping all those. It was just very satisfying. And also being six foot five, in a game, it's just also very satisfying. So that's also why I got it for FIFA. What about you, Yash? What about that for FIFA? I think uh, midfield. I always enjoyed playing in the midfield because you get like I don't know. For me, it's like you get like you get you had the best opportunity to getting the ball the most. Yeah, I would say playing goalie, you don't really touch the ball too often <laughs> in FIFA. <laughs> so but, I would say definitely playing in the midfield. I, I think that's it's just fun to play because you get to touch the ball the most. And I'm kind of a greedy player on FIFA. <laughs> so I want to touch the ball the most. <laughs> uh, okay. And then to transition to the last point, what would, what's the position you like seeing the most in real life, in the professional level? Ooh. And for me, this one's very tricky because everyone has like the little things about what makes them very special. But I guess the player I like to see the most is probably Lionel Messi. And he plays kind of like just hovers between center attacking mid and right wing and striker at times. So mm-hmm. I guess seeing the more flashy players do that, play that position. And if the player is, I mean, I like seeing players also play out of position, like Tony Cruz, like play in that position. And he's able to do a little bit of everything from long shots to long passing. So it's, I, I'm like, it's a very mixed answer, but just seeing players play in, a position where they can take on a defender and then beat them on with a dribble, with a skill, or with some kind of silky bit of passing, something like that. Mm-hmm. So right winger, I guess, would be my answer. Uh, I really enjoy watching a midfielder, specifically maybe like a more of an attacking midfielder. Um, 
not more i do enjoy the defensive midfielder like you know their roles but like me specifically the box the box or attacking midfielder um because if you ever watch any type of like netflix documentary or if you like go watch like a special video camera on the specific player it's crazy the amount of like little flicks and tricks they constantly have to do during the game just to like keep the ball like you don't really see it when you're watching it on an aerial view but where they're kind of running around and the little flicks and tricks they do just to keep the ball like if you ever watch paul pogba play like i mean sure he may lose the ball a lot but like when like he does keep it a lot just because of his strength and like you can just see the little flicks the step overs the little you know just the like shifting the ball in one specific area and like how you manipulate your body to get a foul and for me like watching bruno fernandez it's like it's really fun to watch those players go and like even i would say xavi um xavi or iniesta those are always some of my favorite players to watch just because they can like they literally float in the middle of the field and they just know where to be and they i think that's to me that's always just a cool thing to see just how intelligent those midfielders are to kind of do their thing but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a long answer. But transitioning over to our next question submitted by Saad, a uh, guy that loves his aesthetic. So shout out to him. <laughs> but his question is, what is the best looking Premier League team and what is the most aesthetically pleasing team? And also, why is it Chelsea? Uh, <laughs> but Tyler, which one for you is the most good looking, aesthetically pleasing team? The best League? looking, aesthetically pleasing team. Well, unfortunately, Borussia Dortmund is not in the Premier League. That's usually oh. my my go to. It's like, oh yeah, everyone on there's like the Dortmund hairstyle. It's just like, oh, it inspired me to get this hairstyle. Literally, it's oh, just yeah. like the, the European comb or, or not comb or, but like you know, like you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But if if it's not Chelsea, I can tell you that he's a Chelsea fan, and Definitely he's not only Chelsea, Chelsea he's only a, a Chelsea cut. fan because of Hazard, and he's not even there anymore, and he just <laughs> bought like a sweatshirt that has Chelsea badge on it. But I can see why it says Chelsea because of like the color and like the the badge. I think that's what also would help in terms of making a team aesthetic. I honestly like this is kind of biased, but I just like the Liverpool badge because it's not not the new one, not this one, but like the one that you'd see on TV where it's the entire oh, uh, the like Liverpool badge gate. Badge. Yeah, the yeah. badge badge with like the the griff like the liver liver bird in the yeah. middle and then like the two flames on the sides. Like that's so cool. And then. Also, just like that deep, rich red color. I just like seeing red as well. So I think that's the main thing for mm-hmm. what I interpret his question as for in terms of aesthetics. If we can talk about playing style, that's a whole different one. So yeah. how do you interpret this question, Yosh? I interpret it as playing style. But um, if we're keeping if we're going to keep with the topic of like, a, like, like just outside looking aesthetically pleasing, <laughs> um, you know, this probably sounds bad. I really enjoy Manchester United, but the only thing I have a problem with them is their the kits that they have currently. They're they look awesome, but that stupid Chevrolet logo. <laughs> it's just so big and like it just takes away from the actual jersey. Um, but if you were to look at a jersey or look at a team that didn't have like a big sponsorship logo, I really do enjoy looking at Arsenal's jerseys. I think they they have some nice color schemes, and I think um I've always just been a big fan of like the way their jerseys look, even like their alternate ones with the yellow, I think they always just look kind of nice. So I would say Arsenal have some pretty good jerseys. So if they're not winning on the field, they're winning off the field at least. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our, the Arsenal fans out there. That <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, All man. Right. But thank you, Saad, for that question. Now yes. we'll move on to a work friend of mine, Charlotte. She has submitted a question who... And she asked, what is the Premier League? So she's basically someone who's just started listening. She's like, what is all this? I'm just trying to get into sports. <laughs> and just like, if you have to roast me, do it. It's, it'd be something exciting during these quarantine times. But <laughs> it's okay. I'm just going to say Premier League is, let's just go with the bare like, Wikipedia answer for it. It's like the top English division. And it wasn't called Premier League until 1992. Before, it was just yes. the English top division. Yeah. So for everyone that's listening... You know, everyone we've mentioned in the last podcast, like everyone's at different levels of knowledge in terms of what they know about the Premier League and things like that. So basically, that'd be my bare bones answer. And also, hopefully, if you are new, I'm glad you are listening because this is a good way to get into learning what exactly this whole league is about. (laughs) Yeah, because, yeah, no, I definitely agree because it's just uh, two guys that are just big fans of the Premier League talking about the Premier League. Exactly. Um, 
but yeah, I, I do agree with Tyler. Just in its simplest form, is the top division. And if you didn't know the the divisions in the, I guess if you were to go to England and look at the divisions they have for soccer, it goes the Premiership, the English Premier League, which is number one. Then you have the Championship. Then you have League Two or yeah, League, League One. One and then League <laughs> Two. Yeah, it's reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are the four divisions. And obviously, you don't want to be in League Two because that's the bottom of English football. But we have seen teams recently who have climbed from the bottom of the barrel of League Two all the way to the Premiership. Uh, teams like Bournemouth, I believe Watford were there at one point. Um, but yeah, there's just been, you can look, there's a, a lot of cool stories of teams that have climbed literally from League Two to the Premier, Premier League. And that's cool about England is that you can, or any European league, is you can literally climb your way into like the top flight if you just work hard have a good system and you know results start falling your way but mm-hmm. yeah that's in a nutshell that's what the premier yeah. league is <laughs> and i believe there actually are like nine divisions total but those oh, yeah. top four are like the main professional yeah. ones yeah, yeah if you want to make like money yeah and then the other ones is like like division five and below that's like the ones where you'll definitely be working a desk job like, <laughs> like, yeah, like, on the side yeah jamie vardy famously was a part of one of those leagues at one point mm-hmm. yeah i forgot what he was working as but he basically had to work two jobs mm-hmm. that's that's how it be sometimes yes that's how it be but um next question submitted by advite who is played read soccer with us back in the day hey. and is a manchester united fan Simple fred question jersey. <laughs> yeah, fred jersey had a rashford jersey from his debut season too but his his question mech sauce question mark <laughs> and i'll answer that one because all right yes i'm the manchester united fan if you didn't know mech sauce aka scott mctominay the best midfielder in england the best midfielder at manchester united i mean the guy i mean the reason he has mech sauce is because <laughs> he does things on the ball that you just don't see any other midfielder have like he's got the passing ability better than steven gerrard he's got have you seen the goals he scores the goals he scores are absolute bangers and rips. Like his his long field shot against City, that's Mo Salah esque. His placement in the bottom corner, you basically call him Steven Gerrard's um, regen. Oh man! And McTominay gives everything for the badge. You know, kisses the Manchester United badge. He's gonna he's a club legend right there, solidified. No ifs, ands, or buts. <laughs> I've never seen. Sauce. I've never seen a Scott McTominay jersey out in the wild. I'll say that. <laughs> man, this is the most delusional answer ever. <laughs> listeners don't don't take that too much <laughs> too seriously but you asked about I, mixed sauce mixed sauce <laughs> i haven't heard that before and then Adby was telling me he's like you never heard of mixed sauce i'm like what do you mean mixed sauce he has 60 agility <laughs> he doesn't even have four stars he's, i've never seen him juke anyone and he's he pulled up this squawka like stat pagers he he apparently has two dribbles per game i was like all right Who's it? If he's running past Andres Pereira, doesn't count. <laughs> His own teammate. It's like, all right. All right. But, but yeah, if you if you go on any any fans out there, if you go on the Manchester United admin account on Twitter, basically every comment underneath is just mixed sauce. Whenever he does something, sauce. whenever he does something good. But he he is a pretty good, key important player for Manchester United midfield. But obviously, you can't you can't deny the success of mixed sauce right now. It's well, too there good. You go. There you go, Advai. You got McSauce on the pod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and on to the next question from another friend of ours who's played Reed Soccer with us, a key defender for the squad, Santosh. Yes. <laughs> also a friend of Advite. Yes. Does not know who McSauce is probably. But this question, if you had to, which Premier League team would you manage in real life starting now and why? Oh, that's easy. Manchester United. Come on. Really? Like, that, yeah. I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like if you had one chance. I mean, why not start with the with your club of your dreams? That's that's a fair point. I, for me, I guess my equivalent would be Liverpool. But honestly, I would not want to be a Liverpool manager right now because they're on the top. So you can only go down from here. <laughs> so it's like that's you come true. in, it's like, oh man, it's, this guy's only brought the club down, and there's Dude, no like, way I can coach the way Klopp does. So yeah, if anything, I want to go. Your introductory press conference, someone asks you a question, you actually throw a player under the bus. By yeah, it's like, yeah. oh. So if anything, <laughs> I want to be the manager after the next manager after Klopp. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want to be the man that replaces that. the man. Yeah, so if anything, I would want to be a manager for a club that is borderline, has potential to be really good and consistently stay in the Premier League. It's just currently does not have a very good manager. 
And I don't want to pick like Watford because I'm just going to get fired in six months, if not worse. <laughs> no, they'll, fire they'll fire you after two months. We're like, yeah, after uh, two months. You'd be like, this guy I don't said like something this guy. bad about the player. You're out of here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so for me, I actually would pick this is a tricky one, but I would pick Newcastle Ooh. or hmm, I actually know Newcastle is kind of like Ooh, in a part of England. West Ham is also kind of toxic. <laughs> you got you got London though. You got London on your That's true. You do get London. Backyard. That's true. Uh so tricky. Bournemouth mm. would be nice. They're on the coast. They are on the coast. But then Eddie Howe is just doing like an insane job. And, yeah. Not right now. It's just like a roller coaster. But hmm, I would say, you know what? I'll go with Newcastle just so I can say I can the manage Miguel on my own. That's true. <laughs> just have that pace. Again. And also, they have a pretty decent squad in that if you just manage them just the right way, I feel like you can consistently stay in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. like no, they have I, what it takes yeah they just don't have like the greatest of like owners in terms of when it comes to shelling out money yeah. but as tyler yeah. did say they have a good stadium they have a good mm-hmm. squad of players they have a good history too alan yeah, share fan base like amazing fan base honestly mm-hmm. so i think so, that'd be a good one not bad not bad um but going on to our next question submitted by nathra um also a good listener of the podcast she asked simply what editing software we use um to so to start off with, when we whenever we first start our podcast, I actually use Audacity, which is a free software for Mac and Windows. Um, and then we ditched that after two episodes and went into GarageBand because that was something that was offered in the free recru- recording studio at UGA. And we basically used GarageBand for all of season one, except one episode where he did audition, I believe. But yeah, pretty much it was all GarageBand. And low-key GarageBand is actually pretty nice to start off with because it's very easy. Like there's no... Yeah, very intuitive. Yeah, there's not like obviously you can't really do like super in-depth features with it, but if you're starting off and if you have a Mac, like I am pretty sure GarageBand is free too um with Mac. Um and it's super easy. Like you literally just drag and drop and you can manipulate audio levels. Like it's very easy to fade in and fade out stuff. So I would definitely say GarageBand is a good place to start, but um once I had obtain, obtained the Adobe Cloud Suite, I started to learn Audition and that's the editing software we now use and Audition is definitely, it's um, it's a little daunting at first, but definitely it is worth <laughs> learning because there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with it and it makes the editing a little bit easier. But yeah, those are the editing softwares we we kind of use. But And then what about Zencaster? That's like the good oh, one. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Zencaster, I forgot. I was looking more just like the editing part, but Zencaster is what we actually use to record our podcasts um, remotely because obviously we do not have the luxury of both of us being in the same location. That would be the best situation, but since we're not, Zencaster allows us to record remotely. And the audio quality compared to any other, I guess, remote podcasting or remote audio recording, I guess, softwares, this one um, definitely has like pretty high quality for, you know, recording remotely. Because at times, you know, if the connection is really good, it honestly sounds like we're kind of both in the same studio. So it definitely does bridge the gap, but nothing beats being in the same place, obviously, but Zencaster definitely gets the job done. Uh, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, if you want to look that up. They're definitely a great, great program to use. Yes, free program. <laughs> yeah, free. That's the most important thing. Free, free right now. But yeah, jumping into the next question, Tyler, you want to read it off? Yes. So our <laughs> our work friend, at least my work friend, Michael, he is an Arsenal fan who actually listens to the podcast quite regularly quite regularly i can't yes i can't speak right there tongue but he, yeah is tongue twister right there low key <laughs> but he is a avid pa- podcast listener i suggested this podcast he's like all right so now he listens to it basically every time it comes out so michael i got your question if each premier league team had to choose one player to participate in an arm wrestling tournament who would be in the final four and who would win so this is a very interesting question in that it kind of tests whether we know who has the best say arm and upper body strength which is not really something you see in most you know premier league players or just soccer players in general in terms of like a main focus usually you just see like shakiri with like the big calves and Gareth bell with like the huge thighs things like that yeah. but for upper body i think i have an answer for this but yes what is yours okay all right so obviously everyone knows him adama Traore has to be in the t- final four um i would also say harry Maguire. It's going to be a lot of center backs in here because they're the most physical, I would say. So I got Harry Maguire. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, I would probably put Van Dyke 
Van Dyke is also pretty physical. Um, and then for the final one, this one's going to be tough. Ooh. Oh, no, not him. Not him. <laughs> I wouldn't Sorry say to that. the guy who just got erased from the, <laughs> <laughs> from the thought, from the thought process. Uh, who? Let me see. I'm trying to think. Ooh, I would say... Um, yeah, I would say Yeri Mina. Also, Yeri Mina. Yeah. Ah, that's actually a very interesting one. Whenever I watch him, he's just pretty physical in general. So yeah, I, he's a huge guy. I'm kind of because obviously we don't get to really see how strong they are upper body wise because they don't mm-hmm. use their hands. And yeah. I'm I'm kind of going this based on like their natural tendencies are like how physical they are. Do they get pushed pushed over easily if like someone pushes them over? So that's kind of who my final four are. Okay, and who would win? Uh, Triori, definitely. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, because you said that, that's very interesting because my winner, actually, and, and, like, first person on the list is Adama Triori because I was like, literally, the man is 99 strength. Like, that guy is huge. If you haven't, if you don't know who that is, Google him. He plays for Wolverhampton Wolves. He just got, like, a picture of him, like, flexing. Yeah, he literally flexing, and then it's just, like, everything on his, his shirt can explode if he flexes. And apparently, he doesn't work out. Yeah, he does, like, not calisthenics, but, like, just, like, pulls and things like that. It's, it's kind of weird. That's crazy. But Adamachari is number one. Number two, this is kind of a weird one, but it's a goalkeeper. And I every time I see him, he just looks really beefy. And it's the Bournemouth keeper Aaron Ramsdale. He doesn't – He's maybe he's not that big, but every time I look at him, I'm like, dang, dude, that guy's kind of beefy. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so I pick Ramsdale. And then, of course, I also pick Van Dyke. He's just one of the biggest guys I know in the Premier League. And he's just – I've never seen him shoved off the ball. So it's like mm-hmm. he, he definitely has some strength there. And then the last person I would pick is Wesley, the striker for Aston Villa. Just mm. frankly, based on the knowledge that he is the strongest Premier League player in FIFA. <laughs> so I was going to say, who is that striker that used to play for Newcastle? Forgetting his name. Guys that scored a hat trick with a header. Oh, uh, Solomon Rondon. Yeah. I, yes. That guy is also a brute. That guy is a tank. I yeah. would not want to mess with him. <laughs> but I would say none of them compared to Adama Chari, though. Yeah. Because he's I, huge. Yeah. Trior definitely wins that battle uh, 10 times out of 10. Like not even, <laughs> not, he doesn't even lose once. But that brings us into our next question from uh, Tyler's friend, Max. Yes. Um, the question is, what is your favorite goal of all time? And we're kind of throwing this out for anything, not keeping it um, Premier League related. So, Tyler, what is your favorite goal? My favorite goal of all time has to be the free kick that Kiske Honda scored in the oh. World Cup against, I believe it was Denmark. And it was just from like 30 yards out. And I don't know why. It wasn't even like the best free kick I've ever seen. It was just just the, the inspiration to see like an Asian player just do something like that against like... I had a, a Danish friend, Christian, who was very high on Denmark, that, that Denmark train. And seeing... That like Kisuke Honda just like destroys jeans too. <laughs> it's just like holy crap, this guy's insane, and just the technique and everything. Because you look at Honda, he's not the the biggest, the toughest player, but he's able to make it look like he just shot a rocket out out of that ball and then just went upper ninety. And it the way the ball curved too, it just it was moving one direction just straight, and all of a sudden it just like bends last second. It's like how do you do that? This is something I can't even recreate. So yeah. that goal is just one of the most memorable to me. I- for me, that that's a good that's a good shout. For me, this is probably a popular one for many, but I would say Benjamin Pavard's goal in the 2018 World Cup against Argentina. Ooh, that, that made me cry. <laughs> dude, for for the all right, first of all, it's in the World Cup, but this is a you know this is a round of 16 knockout stage, and this is when France was losing, I believe, two one, and this was right literally right before this goal. Di Maria scores like an absolute banger, like a thing that would probably contend for goal of the tournament in the World Cup just moments before. And then the fact that Pavard like literally runs up to the ball and strikes it, the way he struck it too, it was literally he, I don't know, like literally um, you can try to recreate that shot like as many times as you want. I don't think he could ever hit it that perfectly ever again in his life. <laughs> like I see, he, yeah. he was literally running at full speed and then stops and then just flings his foot at it. And then it does like the most insane curve of all time. It's like Roberto Carlos Cuco Martina-esque right there. Oh my gosh. Cuco right back. Yes. Yeah. So that, that to me is my, one of my favorite goals of all time. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and 
I do want to also say Max did have a second question that it was just too good not to say, not yes. to ask. But for all you Mario for two players, this is this is the for OGs. you. The OGs. If Ronaldo and Messi were to one v one quick scopes on Russ, who would win and why? So, Yush, who would you think between the two goats of our decade, who would win a one v one quick scopes on Russ? So I have a theory. I feel like Ronaldo um, would. I don't know because I feel like Ronaldo, if he played Modern for two, he would definitely be the one that would get all the headshots to get all the flashy custom camos <laughs> and all that. Like he would have the red tiger camo, um, and I think what would hold Ronaldo off of him? He might end up doing too much of the flashy thing. So I'm gonna pick Messi on this one because I feel like Ronaldo will be jumping off like the top of the tallest building and like spinning as many times as he can and then just go boom. And then Messi <laughs> will just like Messi will just be like sitting there like a cerebral assassin and just be sitting there on the ground or be like running around and like, boom, just knock you out right there. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it's uh, my answer is going to be very similar in that I would see Ronaldo being the 10, 1080, like, 360 no scope kind of guy who would try to get all of it the trick shots in so he had the best kill cams but Messi wouldn't really mess around he just naturally know how to get that technique down and just quick scope so i think Messi would win but ronaldo had the better kill cams and eventually i think over time ronaldo would catch up and they'd be a little bit more even mm-hmm. now i i think we both agree eye to eye on that one but um we are not running short of time but we definitely are kind of eclipsing like that mark of like stretching mm-hmm to an hour so we're definitely going to answer the rest of these questions but maybe hit them a little bit a little bit faster but our next question from vernon um what is your favorite story about a player tyler i know you oh, were pretty excited about this question this, that. it's a very interesting question so vernon someone who i work with he's on my team my manager nice <laughs> so manager gomes <laughs> but anyways so my favorite story is about uh this is one i actually used when i was at uga trying to interview into like a business club and the question to me was, what is a or who is a role model in your life, and how has that role model really inspired you to be who you are? Maybe taught you to you know be a certain way. And I said in this interview, like an actual interview, I said Luis Suarez because when he was a young boy or like a young teenager, he basically was one of like the players who weren't really too well off. He was in like the poor communities, and he met his current wife during the time when he was a a teenager and to do anything to make sure like he got to her and things like that, he would do everything he could to become a professional soccer player to get like enough money to support her and everything like that. So to the point where he literally goes and bites people and that's a little extreme in my opinion, but like the thought that the reason why he has like that kind of, like do or die mentality and like the point where he like he goes a little crazy at times because he literally grew up with that kind of mentality he's like i have to do this for this person that i care about a lot and also it's something that it's just who he is it's just he will do anything to make sure he gets the top and i'm not that crazy competitive but the inspiration and the the drive he has the motivation is just there and that's why i like that no i think I think that's pretty cool. Uh, one of I my, got into, I got into the club too. <laughs> there we go. It worked. My interview it question worked. worked. <laughs> um, for me, one of my favorite players is Juan Mata. I know obviously his on the field performances have dipped down since he's gotten older, but I think he's a really, really nice and cool player for everyone to kind of follow. He's just a really good humanitarian, a really good human being. Like um, one of the coolest things was he he kind of he's always just been a nice person. But I can't remember the exact name of the foundation he started, but it was to help. Um, just, you know, the poor kids around Europe and just that community in general. And he's always been a natural advocate of like those things. So for me, when I look at Juan Mata, he's just a guy that is always looking to do better off the field and look at ways to improve the world in general. So I think for me, Juan Mata is my, one of my favorite stories about a player, just the overall aspect of helping everyone. That's what I heard about Juan Mata. He's just an overall nice guy. Yeah. He's a nice lad. Like to meet him one day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this. <laughs> Keep going on this train. We got a yes. next question. Justin, he is another friend of mine from work. A lot of work friends, which is pretty good. This, yes. Some work-life balance right there. Anyways, <laughs> this question is, could any MLS team compete with the Champions League or Premier League teams? And particularly the worst Premier League team is something he asked me. So, Yush, what is your take on his question of can an MLS team compete? 
maybe even MLS All-Stars. I would throw that in there as well. Um, all right. If the, if an MLS All-Star is facing a full, like, full-strength Liverpool, literally all players are fit. They're in the middle of, like, their European run. There's no way. I just, there's just no <laughs> way. Because, like, Liverpool literally are beating Barcelona and Real Madrid at their peak of their powers. I mean, MLS All-Stars, Barcelona, Real Madrid. I think there's a little bit of a drop-off there. I, I still respect MLS is getting better as a league, but there's you, you can't compare MLS All-Stars to Barca or Real Madrid. But I think... MLS All-Stars would have a chance against a Aston Villa. I mean, there there's some bad Premier League teams out there. Like get, make no make no mistake, like there's some bad Premier League teams, but I think um a bad Premier League team versus the MLS All-Star, I feel like it would be a pretty fair a fair match. Um I would still lean that maybe the Premier League side would win, but I think it would be a much more even competition compared to a, let's say a Liverpool or Manchester City at the peak of their powers. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. For me, I would say it has to be MLS All-Stars to compete because the top teams in the MLS came and beat the Mexican teams in yeah. the, the league or Liga MX where we had the CONCACAF Champions League. And we, for the longest time, we can't even win that. <laughs> so yeah. like we sent Toronto FC, we sent Atlanta United FC, we sent Seattle Sounders, and none of them can beat like Club America or Tigres or, or, anything Tigres like that. or like... Cruz Azul, like literally, we can't beat them. So I'm like, all right, well, at least MLS All Stars could maybe play tension. But I still say Premier League, even Norwich, Aston Villa would still probably do would st- pretty well and get the win, honestly, because of just defense alone. I feel because mm-hmm. the MLS defense is just not up to par, and neither is the, the speed of play in the MLS. Like I've seen games live of MLS in person, and I've seen Liverpool come on tour, and it's just it's just a whole different level. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy crap! <laughs> oh, I definitely agree. And then, um, quick question on his second one: best hair in the Premier League and worst, Tyler? Best hair? Ooh, hmm. Well, for me, I don't know if it's just because. Hmm. Okay, this is a little biased, but Ali's son. The goalkeeper, Allison Becker for Liverpool. His hair, he's just like an overall good-looking person. But his hair is just so, like messy, but looks good at the same time. I don't know how he does it. Like he just, <laughs> It just looks like he didn't really fix it, but it just looks fixed at the same time. It's, you just kind of have to Google it. You just look at him as like, yeah. it, looks, it looks, it's a good look on him. Yeah, it's like kind of long, but then like, it just works. Mm-hmm. It's like a... It's like Laurie's Carius-esque. If Laurie's Carius was here, it'd be him, but he's not in the Premier League. But there you <laughs> go. So that's my answer. Ali okay. Sung. Uh, worst? Worst? Ooh, for me, I would have to pick someone who's like slightly balding. <laughs> so, I mean, Wayne Rooney fixed that hair. So, you know, that's <laughs> better. He's not in the Premier League. And now there is the second pick, I would say, is Charlie Adam. <laughs> like, like, man, you make so much money. It's like, at least get like a, a, a good haircut. But, oh, man, there's been so many throughout the times where it's like, like, why? And also, like, Fellaini's one of them as well. <sighs> this is tricky because, honestly, not sure. Yeah, most of them are pretty good now. Maybe, most like, one that, from good. the past. One from the past. From the past, honestly, I then have to bring Charlie out of I'm okay. just like, man, that guy makes it look like he's 50. <laughs> <laughs> um, For me, best hair in the Premier League, I think it's definitely up there with Giroud. Um, Ooh. and yeah, I would say Giroud. I think he's just always had nice hair. He's always had pretty good hair. And then worst Alberto Moreno. I know he's not, oh. <laughs> but his haircuts are bad. They were pretty bad. They just kept getting worse as he played. Cause it was like his playing just got, kept getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And then another question from moving on to our next question from another one of Tyler's friends, Andres, right? Andres. Andres. Yeah. Um, from the Tampa office. There you go. Yes. <laughs> so um, his question. The furthest in terms yes. of location. Um, his question is, can you send Son back to the Bundesliga? And he is a Bayern Leverkusen fan. That was Son's uh, yes. former team before he came to Tottenham. Mm-hmm. So he, he is still a little salty about that. And my answer on behalf of all the Premier League is no. Nope. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> when he's like dipped a little bit in form. But even then, now we're keeping Son in the Premier League. And also we're going to take Kai Havertz eventually too. <laughs> <laughs> So we, sent you Chicharito. we sent you yeah, Chicharito. We sent you Chicharito. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, and, that's the answer for that one. A really quick uh, one. Yes. And then Tyler, you want to read off our final question of the, final question. Uh, of the episode. So it's from our good friend Cho. He has made some 
comments to our previous episodes a few times and also we have a special announcement regarding him too at the end of the podcast mm-hmm. so his question cho who is also taking this question from something you saw on reddit so this is a this is a beefy one this is gonna make you think kind of like moral but anyways you have an entire premier league season to score one goal and get one assist on your favorite team so for me it'd be liverpool and for yes should be manchester united you're guaranteed 20 minutes per match at minimum and if you complete your mission, you win a five-year contract. I don't know how much you win in terms of like your wage, but I mean that's better than nothing. So you get to play for Manchester United and play for Liverpool for five years. But if you lose, you die by the death of one thousand shots from your favorite player. So I would get destroyed by Steven Gerrard and Yash. Who would who would it be for you? Uh, Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney. Oh gosh, these are two players you definitely don't want to stand in front of. And <laughs> Also, on top of that, none of the players on that team know why you're there. They just know <laughs> that you're coming on at the 70th minute every single match. Do you take this deal? <laughs> oh, man. This is a very tricky one. So I can start us off. I think based on certain players I've seen in the Premier League and just just sometimes me questioning, is like, how do you get on that team? I think I would take this deal because... A, I wouldn't have to live if I fail to long, like, you know, old age. So it's like, all right, this is a pretty good way to go. <laughs> I can go by that. It's like, just, yeah, I'm in my gravestone. It's like Steven Gerrard, like, pelt to X area. <laughs> it's like, basically the entire body. It's just like, I'm just, a, a, like, a if a cement truck ran over my body, that's what's, just what's going to look like in my, my coffin because of just the number of shots. But I still take it because I think as a striker, if Klopp, doesn't sub off another attacker like he subs off joe gomez and just keeps all the attackers on and i'm just the extra guy up top i think i could sit in the penalty box like chicharito did for manchester united come on as a super sub and then like cherry pick a goal like dirt count cherry pick a goal from like like a rebound just score an ugly goal yeah an ugly goal i think i can definitely do that maybe how do you handle the assist though how do you get the assist the assist all right that one's gonna be very tricky because for at least for the attacking, I would sit offside most of the game, but maybe I'd score from a corner. But that also gave me an idea. If I am at the corner, I can just tell Trent, it's like, all right, you're not taking this corner. <laughs> this is on me. So I can just send in the ball. And then eventually, maybe Van Dyke will score one. Or I can just give the ball to Mane, like a long pass, and he just takes it all the way and just scores like a solo effort. But it, it'd give me the assist because I, I pass it to him last. So it'd be, both are kind of cheese, but I think I can get away with that cheese. All right, so the, my biggest question is, okay, if we're joining the team, are we joining at our level right now? Or are we like... Yes, at, okay. at read soccer level, rec experience only <laughs> level. I think we can get away with it. I, oh I, my You gosh. might underestimate the speed of the Premier League. And also, yeah. if I get injured, which I'm very injury prone, I'm basically screwed. <laughs> so Honestly, I, I don't really take the risk. You got to risk it for the biscuit. No, I As do agree with you that I would, definitely, I would definitely take this um, proposition uh, my biggest thing is this is sort of like the equivalent of if you were in a major league baseball park and you're basically like, can you hit a home run with just like in a major major league baseball park? Most of the time it's no. My biggest thing is in my current level, if I was playing for Manchester United and I was subbed in every 20 minutes, like for 20 minutes every game, I honestly don't know if I could score a goal. If we're being <laughs> totally honest, because we have to also take into account how good the Premier League keepers are. Like they, they're like, you know, we just got to score scrappy ones. Scrappy one, man. <laughs> just like barge into the keeper while he's taking a corner. Yeah. I mean, VAR is a thing, but it's, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. That's for it's me. Happening. And then like getting the assist, I feel like we are really hard part because I feel like I just like try to pass it to someone and then like I just get, I don't know. I feel like I would have a really tough time, but I feel like I could get, I could maybe sneak away a goal, but I feel like I would have a hard time getting an assist because no, everybody would be like, just don't pass it again. Just go. Go. <laughs> It'd be like um like my player in FIFA just like keep passing it to the same player. Be a rash for go. Go. go <laughs> oh man. Um, so you wouldn't take it. I w- I would still take it. I just don't think oh, okay. I would actually pass the test. <laughs> so so we're both gonna die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good way to end. <laughs> oh and, there we and, go. And the and the funny thing would, would be is uh if you look at it, how would I guess how, how much of a locker room drama would that cause? You know, honestly, it'd be insane because people would be like, who's this random guy coming in and taking my spot? <laughs> just like, <laughs> and not doing a very good job. I know. I, honestly, I would, I'd be a detriment. I would lose some points for sure for 
the Premier League title chase. But, you know, it's for my life and for uh, a, a contract. So you just got to do it what you got to do. No, I, I definitely agree. I just don't think I'll pass. And Tyler doesn't think he's, <laughs> he'll pass, but... I'll do it anyway. Man, yes. But, man, that is a that is a wrap um, for our Q&A episode. It was a very long episode, but we had a lot of questions. And we thank everyone for um, that submitted a question that did. We appreciate all the help that we got from everyone. Um, and we appreciate all the questions. There's some really cool ones in here and some very unique ones that allowed us to think on the spot a little bit. But as we mentioned... We had a special little announcement for Cho. Cho would actually be joining our next podcast next week to talk about, uh, give you a little preview to talk a little bit about his experiences in England. He's actually traveled out, seen games at Wembley, seen Messi play live. We just want to, he'll give us definitely a good look in terms of what it's like to actually travel there, what the experience is like going to the games and all that. So please make sure to um, look out for that episode next week. But yeah, other than that, please make sure to um, like, comment, subscribe. Follow us on all our social media handles on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're definitely on there. And I'm still in the process of making that YouTube channel. But if you saw last week, we had a little bit of a um, special episode where we recorded more with video. We're trying to do more with video. So hopefully this can kind of be more of a normal thing now for you guys to see. Um, but yeah, other than that, Please make sure to follow us, subscribe, and comment what you like, what you don't like. But yeah, that kind of is a wrap for us on episode 70 of the Premier Pod. Thank you guys so much. Peace. Peace.